Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart to heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Are you being influenced? If you've watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the Blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio, (laughs) is your strength. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is sponsored by American Hartford Gold. If you're like me, then you are growing more and more concerned about the state of our country and about your own future. Inflation is at the highest rate that we've seen in 40 years, and interest rates are skyrocketing. In fact, market experts like Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO of J.P. Morgan, are not only predicting that we will face an economic recession, they're using phrases like, 
economic hurricane and unprecedented. If you want to protect your future, then do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by diversifying a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they'll have physical gold and silver shipped directly to your door or perhaps into your IRA or 401 and they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the business with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver and a free safe on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-768-1883. That's 855-768-1883. Or if you prefer text messaging, you can text the word CACTUS to 65532. Again, the phone number is 855-768-1883, or you can send the word cactus via text message to 65532. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Verdict. I'm Michael Knowles, joined as ever by my favorite taco, Senator Ted Cruz. Senator, uh, how spicy are you feeling today? I feel like a good chorizo and (laughs) egg and cheese taco. And, and, and Michael, I got to say, there are times when life imitates satire. If Saturday Night Live was trying to mock an out-of-touch Democrat going in front of an Hispanic audience and saying, you guys are a bunch of tacos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but, like, I'm sorry, Tina Fey could have delivered that line. Your tacos and, and the Bogotas. Uh, Isn't Bogota the the capital of Colombia? Like, like, like apparently Jill's never been to a bodega. I I mean, it's that is just weird. And and, and it's it typifies the out of touch Democrat condescension to Latinxes. By the way, that Mm -hmm. conference was the Latinx explosion. And I got to tell you right now, anyone who puts an X in the word Latino or Latina, ain't actually one of them. It is only a woke white leftist are the only people that stick X's in it. And uh, that's apparently why the Bidens think we're tacos. I can't wait for Jill Biden to pander to my community, the Italian-American community, and say, you know, you you Italian-Americans, you're greasier than a bowl of scongili. You are slipperier than a nice focaccia bread. I don't think it would do a lot to win over the Italian vote. And I, I do know Democrats have been struggling with the Hispanic vote. Every cycle, the Republicans say, we're about to make huge inroads with the black community or the Hispanic community. But if you look at the numbers right now, it would appear that massive chunks of the Hispanic Hispanic voting bloc are moving rightward right now. So do you think that the taco pandering is going to win them back? So look, Michael, in all seriousness, you, Michael Knowles, are a spicy meatball. Thank you. Thank you. I may be a taco, (laughs) but you are a meatball with extra Mm -hmm. zest. I've said it for years. And and look, since I'm I'm Irish and Italian, too, maybe I got a little meatball in my taco and I don't know, Irish with a pint of Guinness. I don't know. I don't even know. It's Mm -hmm. it's. Uh, that's not too bad. I've never had Guinness for breakfast, but uh, breakfast taco, and th- there we go. We're set. Um, it's actually amazing what is happening with Hispanic voters. By the way, there's an interesting... There was polling some time ago that I saw. I haven't seen it recently, but 
five, ten years ago, the polling was that people who self-reference as Hispanic tend to be more conservative. Mm -hmm. People who self-reference as Latino tend to be further left. And people who self-reference as Chicano tend to be the furthest left. And it's Mm -hmm. just kind of an interesting language piece. I don't know if that still holds because that polling data was, is a little bit out of date. I think the people who self-identify as Latinx, they actually tend to skew white. I think they're entirely white and not. Yes. And, 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 and woke and confused. It's the opposite of dazed and confused. It's, yeah. it, 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 it's uh, <laughs> very woke. I, you know, it's an amazing thing. The Democrats numbers among Hispanics are plummeting. And, and we saw that uh, with Myra Flores, who was elected in Texas special election just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the district runs from just south of San Antonio all the way down to Brownsville, to the southern tip of Texas, it literally right on the border with, with Mexico. That is a district that hasn't had a Republican represented since 1871. That's a long time. Um. And I've been predicting for a long time, I think all of South Texas is going to turn red. By the way, Myra Flores' district is the second most Hispanic congressional district in the entire United States of America. Hmm. It's, it's something like 84% Hispanic. I'm not remembering the exact number, but it's in the neighborhood of 84%. Is that a fluke or is that a bellwether for the, the midterms? I think it is very much a bellwether. Um, there are two other congressional seats in South Texas that are that are represented by Democrats right now. I think there is a very good chance that at least two out of those three will be represented by Republicans uh, come January. And it might be all three of the out of those three. And interestingly enough, those Republicans, the candidates, all three are Hispanic women. I've, I've endorsed all of them. I'm campaigning for all of them. And. Throughout the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas, it has voted Democrat for over 100 years. That, that's how long it's been. And, and there's all sorts of things that are causing that. I mean, it's the, uh, you know, the, the out-of-touch wokeness of calling people Latinx. And by the way, who sends the first lady to a conference called the Latinx Conference? And that taco thing, here's the amazing thing. That wasn't an ad lib. This wasn't a Joe Biden like screw right. up because they just let him like meander off and talk. She was reading from a teleprompter. Yeah. A White House staffer wrote those lines and thought, isn't this great if we call them all tacos? They'll clearly vote for us if we do that. That's a really important point because you, you've seen a ton of gaffes this week from Joe Biden. Uh, Biden at one point, the White House tried to cover this up, but he actually read on the teleprompter, repeat the line repeat the line now. And he, but he didn't repeat the line. He just read, repeat the line. You've seen all sorts of gaffes uh, suggesting that he kind of forgot that he was the president at one point. And so we've come to expect that from Biden. But what you're pointing out here is, no, this is the alleged adults in the room, the people who are supposed to be the geniuses who have their finger on the pulse of the base and the electorate. They're the ones who put the taco line into the speech. Look, the Democrats look down on the American people as a whole, look down on voters as a whole, but they especially look down on minorities. I remember Joe Biden is the one who went, I think it was at the NAACP uh, when he was vice president and said about Republicans, they're going to put you back in chains. Um, The Democrats look at Hispanics and they think we are a bunch of 
ignorant, a, I don't even know how to describe what they think about us, but they think we just, we have to vote Democrat. And, and, and there's no sense of wanting to earn the votes. I'll tell you, if you are an Hispanic guy in South Texas, and you work in the oil field, and you drive a pickup truck, and you go bird hunting on the weekends, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Democrats want to destroy your livelihood, want to endanger your family by open borders and chaos. And you know what? You're voting Republican. And, and that is happening at amazing numbers. And I can't wait to see three Hispanic women Republicans from the Rio Grande Valley standing up to Nancy Pelosi and AOC and all these liberals who insist, hey, illegal immigration is just hunky-dory, it's just fine. The people who are living it know it's not. And, 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 and I think the fact that this White House wrote this into a speech, A, sent the First Lady to this ridiculous conference, and B, wrote these condescending lines into the speech, I think it's indicative uh, of just how badly Biden and the Democrats are doing with Hispanics nationally. And I think we're going to see a real sea change in this election. Well, it's, it seems to me the the greater fear for the White House right now is not just that they're losing Hispanics. It seems that they're losing all of the Democrats. Uh, you, there are these poll numbers coming out that the majority of Democrats don't want Biden to be the nominee in 2024. And, and even worse than losing the Democrat voters, it seems to me that the White House is losing the Democrat establishment, the Democrat media, the Democrat press, you're, you're seeing lots of negative stories coming out about Biden in the New York Times, in the Washington Post, in all of the corporate press, kind of stoking the flames of this Democrat uprising against Biden. Is this a sign that the machine, the, the, the party and the powers that be have had it with Biden and they want a, a different option in 2024? Yes. And, and it's also, listen, I think the chances that Biden runs in 24 are minuscule. He ain't running. Uh, he's not up to the job now. I, he says he's running. But, you know, to be honest, any president says he's running. You, you say that so you're not a lame duck. So I understand why he says he's running. I don't believe for a second that he's running. He's clearly not up to the task today. I mean, this is a man who shakes hands with the empty air. This is a man who they send staffers dressed as the Easter Bunny to prevent him from wandering and getting lost. Um, it, it is, I think there's no chance he's running. But some of these stories, you got to understand, are ambitious Democrats trying to take him out. And, and we can already see the daggers between Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg, both of which are, are it's not even daggers, it's chainsaws, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Patriot missiles they're firing against. They're probably scuds. But, um, and, and by the way, Gavin Newsom now, you know, your former governor, chiming in and trying desperately to say, look at me, look at me. This is, and then you're going to have Elizabeth Warren riding in on a rainbow unicorn. Um, it, it's... Uh, the 24 Democratic primary has started already, and it ain't pretty. They're going to light each other up. And, and, and Biden is just a casualty of that. Newsom is buying airtime in Florida. That's kind of a weird thing to do if you're focused on rebuilding your state. It's not a weird thing to do if you want to position yourself for 2024. You mentioned our friend Liawatha there, Ms. Warren. Uh, Elizabeth Warren seems to be riding in on this issue 
of abortion. She's focusing so intently. I mean, you can almost see the fire in her eyes when, when she lights up first about the leak, then about the Dobbs decision, now about the pro-life laws all around the country. Uh, you had a, a pretty bizarre exchange today in the Senate. There was a hearing on abortion. I, it, I, I looked at polls. I saw that for only 15% of the electorate is abortion the top issue. Most people don't vote on abortion, whether we're talking pro-life or, or pro-abortion. Uh, it the, the, the Democrats' abortion position, abortion on demand without apology until the moment of birth, that is not where the American people are. No polls suggest that it is. Is, is this going to be a winner for Liz Warren? Do, do the Democrats really think that they should keep putting their pro-abortion talking points in before the midterms? So look, it might well be a winner for her in the Democrat primary. Uh, their primary has been a become a race to the crazy left. It, it's not a winner, I don't believe, in, in, in the general election. And, you know, you mentioned we had a hearing today in the Judiciary Committee that, that Dick Durbin, the chairman of the committee, held. And it was designed to, to describe what an apocalyptic hell we're living in post-Dobbs, that without Roe, America is an unrecognizable, it's Mad Max at Thunderdome, it's, it, it, it's truly horrific. And, and I got to say, I think the hearing went really, really badly for Democrats. I think by the end of the hearing, even the Democrats were starting to recognize this. This is not going the way we wanted it to. Senator, I think you're being modest, actually. I think what happened is that you you personally rhetorically shivved poor Dick Durbin, and you didn't do it by lobbing any bombs. You I, All I saw was the one clip of you talking about Dick Durbin. You just read his own words back to him. Well, I, I pointed out that that the Democrat Party used to have room for diversity, used to have some voices of reasonableness uh, on all sorts of issues. Look, on foreign policy, there were Scoop Jackson Democrats. There, 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 there were uh, more moderate Democrats. Um, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. A lot of people don't know that the Casey there was Governor Bob Casey Sr. He was a Democrat. He was strongly pro-life. Um, Today's Democrats have said, if you're pro-life, get out of the party. We don't want you. Um, and, and so at the hearing, I, I took a chance to say, to, to say, all right, we should reflect on just how radicalized the Democrat Party's gotten on abortion. And I said, for example, when Roe versus Wade was decided, 1973, one person who was very critical was a person named Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., who said in 1974, quote, I don't like the Supreme Court decision on abortion. I think it went too far. I don't think that a woman has the sole right to say what should happen to her body. So that was Joe Biden in 74. And I put it and I said, well, OK, maybe 74 is a long time ago. He, you know, he, he's woken up since then. Well, let's look at Joe Biden in 2007. 2007 is just just 15 years ago. Joe Biden is on Meet the Press. Tim Rossert says, quote, you supported that ban on late term abortions. And Biden said, quote, I did. And I do. That was just 15 years ago. That was the position of Joe Biden. Just a few weeks ago, the Democrats voted to strike down every ban in the country on late term abortions. And every single Democrat but one voted for it. The view of Joe Biden 15 years ago or 1974 is no longer allowed in today's radicalized Democrat Party. And then here's what you referenced that I pointed out to show just how far it was gotten. It's not just Joe Biden. 
the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Dick Durbin, in, in June of 1983, Durbin wrote a letter, and here's, I quoted it at the hearing. The letter says, quote, I have clearly studied the issue of abortion in depth, and I'm in favor of the Eagleton Amendment, which states clearly that the right to abortion is not guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. The effect of this amendment will be to return us to the legal environment which existed before Roe v. Wade in 1973, and it was signed Richard J. Durbin, member of Congress. And it wasn't just in 1983. Fast forward to 1989, so six years later. Chairman Durbin wrote again, and here's a quote, I believe we should end abortion on demand, and at every opportunity I have translated this belief into votes in the Houses of Representatives. I continue to believe the Supreme Court's decision in Roe versus Wade should be reversed. Dick Durbin, now the chairman, Democrat chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and he's one of the people who happily voted to strike down every single restriction of abortion on the country and to allow unlimited abortion on demand because the Democrats are wildly out of step on this issue. What's amazing is that you're reading their own words, you're gutting their argument with their own words from the distant past and the not-so-distant past wasn't even the craziest exchange that I saw it, frankly, it might not have even been in the top two craziest exchanges that I saw during this hearing today. The Democrats put forward some pro-abortion radical, and your colleague from Texas, Senator Senator Cornyn, uh, couldn't get an answer out of her, or it took a while to get an answer out of her, on the value of babies. Yeah, it, it, it was really extreme. I, I do want to say before we leave the Durbin thing, so I, I give my questioning with a poster board behind me with with the images of the letters from Durbin with his signature. <laughs> and, and look, to be honest, I mean, I'm filleting the guy who's sitting about eight feet from me. <laughs> I read all of these quotes. I end my remarks with um, what the Supreme Court has done is return this deeply personal, deeply important, deeply contested, contentious issue to the voters to let the American people decide. That's democracy, and all of us should be happy about that. Durbin then has a, has a chance to respond. Here's his response. I'm going to quote it in full. Thank you, Senator Cruz. <laughs> it's a smart response. That literally is how he responds to my reading his letter, well, two letters while I'm sitting with a picture of him behind me. Well, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? He's sitting there. You, you got him dead to rights. So he knows he can't win. <laughs> so, okay, moving on. All right, so then we get to Cornyn. Cornyn asked questions after me, and, and there was this, this law professor who is as radical a Democrat witness as I've ever seen. She's African-American woman. She's a law professor whose specialty is abortion. Yeah. So, like, she is at a law school, and all she does is advocate for abortion all day long. And, and so Cornyn, Cornyn starts by saying that her testimony says that, that African-Americans— have abortions at a rate three times or four times greater than non-white Americans. And he asks her, is, is, is that a good thing? Is that systemic racism? And she, she won't answer whether it's a good thing for there to be more black abortions or not. She refuses to answer that. So then Corden goes in and he, he sa asks a very simple question. 
Do you think that a baby that is delivered alive has value? This witness is silent for, I went back and counted it. One second, two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. And finally, she says, yes. I got to tell you in the room, those four seconds were a long time. The question was, do you think a baby that is delivered alive has value? So, so Cornyn goes on and says, do you think that a baby that is not yet born has value? I believe that a person with a capacity for pregnancy has value. They have intelligence. They have agency. Cornyn comes back. No. I'm talking about the baby, Professor Bridges. And I'm talking about the person with the capacity for and I'm, you're not Senator Cornyn, you're not answering the question I'm asking. Professor Bridges, with the smugness of a leftist who views all of us with condescending sneering. I, I'm, answer, a, I'm answering you, a more interesting question that, to me. Think... Cornyn tries again. Do you think that a baby that is not yet born, let's say, the day before this mother delivers, do you think that baby has value? Her answer. I think that the person with the capacity for pregnancy has value, and they, have the, they should have the ability to control what happens to their lives. Now, I got to say, even among advocates for abortion, it is stunning to have a witness who is un, who, unwilling to acknowledge that an infant in a mother's womb who is nine months pregnant has any value whatsoever. That is not a sentence she's willing to say. Look, there are people who are pro-abortion who could say, yes, of course the child has value, but I value the, the mother's liberty interest more. I, I understand that position. That's not what she said. She's unwilling to articulate, to acknowledge one iota of value in the child, and it took her four seconds to acknowledge that even a baby that's been born has value. Well, she wouldn't even acknowledge the question. I mean, it, to me, that's even almost crazier that it, it would be like asking, hey, uh, Michael, do you think that babies have value? And I'll say, I think the 1998 New York Yankees have value. You say, okay, sure, that's fine, but, <laughs> but that's not what I'm asking you. And did you notice a, a really weird tick? So this whole questioning with Cornyn occurred after I had asked my questions. Did you notice a word that she didn't use in response to any of those questions? <laughs> the most controversial word around today. It, it, it's the word that, that Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson doesn't know what a woman is. And she kept using this, this phrase, a person with the capacity for pregnancy, which I don't think I've ever heard that phrase until this afternoon. And that led to one of the most astonishing exchanges. So after Cornyn, Josh Hawley from Missouri had an opportunity to question her, and he couldn't help but, but ask about this bizarre phrase she kept using, a person with capacity for pregnancy. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? 
many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important Because of my line of questioning? Because so we can't talk about it? Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist I'm is denying that trans people exist by asking Are you? you if you're talking Are you? about women Are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think <laughs> so. You are denying that trans people exist, Thank and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this, where no, you, no, no. they're, they're told that to they're at opening up people to oh, violence? We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot I just know. in this exchange. Absolutely extraordinary. That is a truly extraordinary exchange, Senator. How did how did your colleague, uh, Mr. Hawley, keep his cool? <sighs> Uh, it, it is amazing. Look, I, I got to say, I've served in, in the Senate 10 years. I've seen lots of witnesses in front of lots of committees. Number one, I have never seen a witness as moonbat bizarre out there as this witness. And I've also never seen a witness as contemptuous of a senator asking her a question in a Senate hearing as that professor was. And it's the contempt of the hard left. It's the same contempt of the White House staffer that said to Jill Biden, call Hispanics tacos. It's if you don't agree with what we demand, it is sneering condescension. You're opening up for violence. After that exchange, I, I pulled Josh aside on the Senate floor and, and I was like, Holy crap, what an exchange. And, and I actually confessed, I said, you know, my, my team had written a line of questioning similar to this because she used in her written testimony also the phrase person with capacity for, for uh, pregnancy. pregnancy. And, and I decided to focus on the Durbin and Biden stuff as well, just to show how radical the Democrats were rather than going after the witness in particular. But when Holly did that and she came back sneering, I, I actually asked him, I said, how on earth did you keep your cool? I thought Josh did a very nice job of staying calm. I'll confess, I do not think I would have remained that calm to that. Uh, he was amused. And I, I particularly like, you know, I oh, I bet I would learn a lot in your class. Like, <laughs> this is her students. I mean, you're literally, if you believe that, women get pregnant, apparently that statement is inciting to violence. That's just, that is a clip every voter in America should watch the day before election day. I'll, I'll tell you an exchange I had with another Democrat senator on the Judiciary Committee, oh, I don't know, maybe a year ago, where, where he referred to birthing people 
And and I pulled him aside and I said, birthing people, is your base really that moon bat crazy that you can't say bombs? Like, like is the word mother now forbidden? And, and he basically admitted, yeah, it is. And you just saw she's unwilling to acknowledge that it is women who give birth. There's an irony to this too, which is that their own people don't love this. I mean, I'm with you. I think we should plaster this clip everywhere. I endorse this woman, Professor Bridges. I endorse her for the 2024 Democratic presidential nomination. Please, Professor Bridges, now is the time. We need you to accuse 90% of America, which understands that men and women are different. We need you to call them all killers. That's that's the way that we want you to run that election. But and, and by the way, we need Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Ward and Pete Buttigieg and Gavin Newsom to get to the mm-hmm. left of of crazy. That's lady. right. Like like that. I, 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 I don't even know what the next step is. Like, like if you're not allowed to say men and women, transhumanism might be the next thing is speciesism. I don't know that that I, I don't want to give them ideas. But there, there's this irony here, which you mentioned that the Democratic er, Democratic senators, for goodness sakes, but certainly these professors are using all these phrases, birthing people, persons with the capacity to become pregnant, just erasing women entirely from public life. Th- there was a major criticism of this the other day from my absolute favorite Twitter account. Sorry, Senator, you are not my favorite. My actual favorite Twitter account is Bette Midler. She posts by far the greatest stuff on that platform. Bette Midler, radical to the left, probably not the highest information voter out there. And she posts in one of her rants on Twitter, she says, these misogynists, these sexist conservatives, they're erasing women. They're taking away our rights. They won't even call us women anymore. They call us birthing people and all these sorts of euphemisms. And I read that and I said, well, I'm with, I'm with you, darling. I'm with you, Ms. Midler. We're not the ones using the phrase birthing people. And and the funny thing is that exchange, I saw that tweet, the left lit her on fire. Yeah. And and, and she, look, it is obviously, yes, I believe women exist. That that, that didn't used to be a radical statement. And and so the phrase is, look, you actually skipped over the phrase she used, she referred to, they won't call us women, they call us people with vaginas. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, that's an obnoxious, like, mm. like, it really is reducing women to genitalia. And that's the modern left. And 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 it, and even Bette Midler recognizes this is horrible. And so the woke left immediately says, Bette Midler, you, you, you're not woke enough. I will say, by the way, as obnoxious as Bette Miller can be on on Twitter, she is one heck of a singer. H- have you seen the movie For the Boys? I haven't. No. Oh, oh, it's it's a, f- a fabulous movie with with, with James Caan, who we just mm. lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they're a husband wife who are singing, and they sing for the troops, and it starts in the fifties and goes through Vietnam. It starts in the forties, actually, goes through Vietnam. And they age, and it's a fabulous show. But but the songs, I, I may not be a fan of her politics generally, but 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 that woman can sing. Well, speaking of left wing singers who are taking issue with this, did you did you see the Macy Gray interview flip flop on this specific issue on transgenderism? I I have no idea who that person is. She did that song. I, I try to say goodbye, and I. Ch-. How much of this song am I going to have to get through before you? <laughs> I have no idea who that person is. 
Well, then I, I will spare you the rest of, of the one Macy Gray song I know. Macy Gray was this singer. She still is. She's still around. She was a popular singer in the late 90s, early 2000s. She's kind of making a comeback now. She's got some new album coming out. And so she goes on an interview on Piers Morgan's show, and she says, she acknowledges. She says, look, I know this isn't politically correct right now. I know I might irritate some people, but I'm a woman. It matters to me to be a woman, and I don't. I, I don't think that men who call themselves women, I don't think they're really women. I don't think if you get a surgery that that magically makes you a woman. I am woman. Hear me roar. Really basic point. Everybody would have agreed with this five minutes ago. The left lights her up. I'm sure she got a bunch of angry calls from her agent. She goes on the Today Show. She goes on with Hoda, the, the host on the Today Show. And it was like a hostage tape. And she's sitting there. This is just what, four days after she made the comments of her very clear views that she had considered and she knew wouldn't be popular, and then she completely flips them. And the interviewer says, so, Macy, have you learned? What have you learned? Have you have you been educated? And Macy says, yeah, well, um, I guess, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, okay, fine, anybody can be a woman. All right, can you buy my album now, please? And she was browbeaten into falling into line. But I wonder... How many more? Macy Gray wanted to get rid of the national anthem, okay? M M Macy Gray wanted to get rid of the Star-Spangled Banner because she's so far to the left and she was swept up in the anti-American rhetoric of the last few years. She is not a conservative. Bette Midler is not a conservative. If, if the libs, if the Democrats are losing Bette and Macy, how many more people are they losing on this issue? Well, you forgot J.K. Rowling, who, who even Harry Potter, Potter has denounced J.K. Rowling, who like— <laughs> wrote the whole damn thing, again, for the the radical heresy of saying women exist. <laughs> so I, I, I sort of hope that this issue is one where the left is leaning really hard, I don't maybe because they, they really believe it ideologically, maybe because they need to serve a radical base. But I just think if, if now Bette Midler and, and Macy Gray are, are, and J.K. Rowling are considered on the right, how do they expect to win an election in November? Forget about 2024. Well, and actually, this connects back to the issue we started with, which was the whole Latinx thing. So look, literally the Spanish language, you define someone Latino and Latina based on whether they're male or female. And most words in Spanish are either male or female. The entire language is designed, is, is structured. In fact, one of the reasons my Spanish is so lousy is I screw up the male and female and uh, all, all the time in Spanish. But someone putting Latinx in is literally saying your entire language and culture matters less to me than my ideology that women do not exist. I mean, it's, that's weird. Well, now, this does get to a mailbag question we got, because if you look at the polls right now, the Democrats are underwater on every single issue, with the possible exception of COVID. That's the one issue where they might have a very slight net positive. So this question in from Jake. Uh, Rochelle Walensky, CDC director, and Joe Biden are already sounding the alarm on a new round of COVID. In your estimation, Senator, are the Democrats planning to lock down again before the midterms? Um, I doubt they'll go so far as to lock down, but I do think the Democrats desperately want a COVID scare. They want masks. They want, I think they view that as, as one of the few issues that can rescue them. I'll be surprised if they go so far as to try lockdowns again, but, but 
I do think some some good old fashioned fear mongering. We're, we're definitely we saw that on monkeypox, where where the the White House was was trying to lean in on that. They're really eager for for some health threat to distract from from the train wreck that that that, that is their policy failures. Uh, this question from our cactus, our very own cactus. This comes from the Verdict Plus community. She says some conservatives handle a banning by sticking to their guns, like the Babylon Bee, who you just referenced, while others will follow along with Twitter rules so that they can maintain their platform and continue to call out Twitter's hypocrisy. If one of our friends from Verdict were in this situation, what would they do? Senator? Awfully good question. I, I, I will say the last podcast we did, we talked about uh, Jordan Peterson being banned from Twitter. We talked about... Uh, Dave Rubin being banned from from Twitter. I've spoken out against both of those. As it so happened last night, uh, I had dinner with Jordan Peterson, and and I asked him, and he's still banned. And and Jordan said, "Look, I I will not take down the tweet, uh, no matter what." Um, and and I did marvel over dinner. I said, "At least so far, Twitter hasn't banned me. They may, they may try, but they haven't yet." And and so. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but but uh, I'm not sure how eager they are to do it. But we'll see. I, I think there will come a time when, when, when they try to ban me, but they haven't done it yet. I, I do think your prudence is also important. You, you know, we're called to be innocent as doves and wise as serpents. And so you, you do want to be able to live to fight another day. You don't want to do something that's wrong or immoral or break your principles, but you want to be able to live to fight another day. So one one tangible way that you can do this, one real practical way to do it is when you look at why Jordan was banned. He was banned because he referred to the actress Ellen Page as Ellen Page, and he called her she instead of he and or by the male name that she has now assumed because she's saying that she's a man. And they said that this is misgendering her, which is ironic because he was just gendering her. The only people misgendering her are the people who are suggesting that she's not a young lady who we've seen in a bunch of movies for years and years now. Uh, so how does one deal with this? You know, this is the same reason Dave was was banned is because he you, he just posted what Jordan posted and then they took him down too. How do you get around this? I don't think that you should cave and squish and call Ellen Elliot and him and, you know, go along with the Twitter rules. But it, does this mean that therefore you need to just go full steam ahead, kamikaze and nuke your account? I'm not sure that you have to. I mean, I think there are ways around this. Yeah. One way, one, well, one way to do it is you, you write E-L-L and put a couple of asterisks afterward, or you say, you know, Ellen Yeh, age pay, or, you know, she who must not be named or something. And you can call attention to this insane rule that effectively bans all, all uh, disagreement with transgenderism. But, but you're still in the game. You're still there to fight another day. Question from Ray. This is something I actually had meant to get to, and we, we didn't get to it yet. So I'm glad it came up. Will President Biden's executive order to protect abortion rights, and I saw the headline, I actually haven't read very much about it. Will that executive order to protect abortion rights nationwide have any power now that Roe v. Wade is overturned? I don't know is the short answer. Um, mm. The executive order, there wasn't a whole lot of detail in it. So we'll see what the administration tries to do. I will say one of the interesting things in the wake of, uh, uh, the, wake of the Dobbs decision is 
the radical left has gotten mad with the Biden White House for not being like super extreme and like, I, I don't even know what they're supposed to do, but, you know, turning every post office in America into a, a, a mobile abortion hospital. Um, and we saw the White House actually put out a statement blasting the far left as out of touch with America. It was really quite remarkable. Uh, I do, do hope whoever wrote that statement watched uh, uh, the, the the hearing today that that Durbin and the Democrats put on because they're, you know, that those those Democrat witnesses were as woke as you can get. Yeah, I, I something tells me that it wouldn't play very well with nice little old grandmothers, you know, going to the post office ready ready to go vote, and it turns out they've turned turned the post office into an abortion mill or the national parks or anything else like that. Final question, very important one from Adam in our Verdict Plus community, Michael and Ted. If you could eat anything right now in the whole world, what would it be? Cheese is my favorite food. A quesadilla. Like when I get home, my sort of comfort food at home if i get home and i'm i'm hungry is is i'll take a tortilla or two and just melt cheese in it which just made me realize holy crap jill biden is right i'm a taco because that's yeah. that's what i have is that i i have a melted cheese quesadilla <laughs> mm-hmm. no that is obviously it and it is tuesday senator it is taco tuesday i will not say that what I would eat right now is a taco. I think that would be a direct threat against a U.S. senator. Uh, that would not be acceptable at all. Uh, so I'll, I'll keep mum. And, and Michael, I will give you, you need to answer the question from, from Verdict Plus, but I will, I will give a shout out uh, mm. to my colleague, Marco Rubio. So in response to the, the, the taco speech, um, I said I was a chorizo uh, egg and cheese taco, which was fine. It was a decent tweet, but it, it wasn't fabulous. <laughs> Marco sent out a picture of a taco and said, my new profile picture. (laughs) And I was like, all right, that is funny. That that, that was props to best response I, I think I've seen was Marco's response. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll take inspiration from your description of me, Senator. I probably would just go eat a big, fat meatball. I'm with you. I'm not a sweets guy. I'm a salty guy, you know, a savory sort of guy. Really, probably what I would have is a delicious cigar. I ate I ate dinner already as well. It's the end of the night. We've, un- we- we've been unwinding. You have been working all day. We have to leave it there. If you have not subscribed, my friends, go over and subscribe on all of the podcast apps, on all of the video platforms, and especially the Verdict Plus community on Locals. Until next time, I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.